I'm Carrie. And I'm Diana. And you're listening to Fiction Kitchen, where we're cooking with inspiration from our favorite books, movies, and TV. Today we are talking about The Little White Horse by Elizabeth Googe. I'm not sure if I said the name, her last name right, but... <laughs> Go. All right, fingers crossed. Yes, best of, best of Elizabeth G. Yeah. <laughs> so this is another one of your favorites that you've introduced me to. Yeah, it's a lovely story. It's so cute. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. I have to interject, like, right off the bat, just to, like... Because it's like, The Little White Horse, what is, what's that? Like, I mean, some people might be familiar with it. Some people, I mean, a lot of people probably aren't. Um, but but let's, let's put a little plug in there. J.K. Rowling. <laughs> you may have big, heard of her. Is a big fan. <laughs> so, J.K. so this was a favorite, a childhood favorite of J.K. Rowling's. So she oh, grew nice. up with it. And in an interview, she said, quote... That the Little White Horse had direct influence on the Harry Potter books. The author always included details of what her characters were eating, and I remember liking <laughs> that. You may have noticed that I always list the food being eaten at Hogwarts. Lovely. What? So yeah, not right? only an influence on yeah the Harry Potter books, but on the food in the Harry Potter books. Yes, specifically. So, so that's why this. And oh my okay. goodness, there's so this much to happen. <laughs> there's so much food in this, including like a character who's a chef. Yes, he is one of the most amazing chefs in literary history. Marmaduke Scarlet. Marmaduke Scarlet. One of the best names as well. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we'll get into the chefiness <laughs> right after Tasty Time, where we talk about what's going on in fiction food. Tasty time. Tasty time. All right, so tasty time. <laughs> this month, um, the, the fandom foodies theme is hashtag X menu. It's all recipes from X Men. Sorry, I I grew up watching. The, I know. I'm like I like how you chose series. the animated series song to put in there. Yeah, fully approved. Yeah. Like I said, I was a rogue. <laughs> And the uh, Food and Flicks movie is The Martian. Nice. So, if you're tired of earthly food, then, you know. Get up on Mars. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen the movie yet, so I don't know. But... I haven't either. I know. I don't know what's going it's on. It's probably, like, very simple things you can grow on another planet. So, like, I don't know, sprouts and stuff? I don't know. I haven't seen the movie. Or red rocks. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway. So, what are our picks for this month? How about you? Yeah, so as you may recall, there's kind of a comic theme that I have been doing. So, food comics. I recalled. I'm interested to see your next comic. Yeah. So, Brave Chef Brianna. So, issue one just came out, I believe, about a week ago. And. It looks fabulous. I don't have a copy yet. I like to I like to wait to get like the collected volumes, um, unless I meet the you know writer or artist in person to get an autograph. Then I'll get like issue number one. But anyway, but I might have to because I really want to read this, so I might just have to I might just have to get issue one, and and maybe someday I'll get autographed. Anyway, 
So, Brave Chef Brianna from Boom Studios, and it's written by Sam Sykes and illustrated by Selena Espiritu, and it's just so vibrant looking, and so the, the premise is that there's a world-renowned chef who has a ton of kids, <laughs> all boys and one girl, the youngest is a girl, and he, the setup is that I guess he is going to die or something. Like, he wants to leave a legacy, but, um, you know, he has so many kids. So he says, will you all go out into the world and start your own restaurants? And, and whoever is the most successful will, you know, be my legacy kid. Okay, nice. So it's, uh, it so good to create challenge upon you know among your offspring. <laughs> yeah, and so healthy. but it's it's in a fantastic world, so a fantasy world. So Brianna, the the youngest, she goes to Monster Town. I don't know if it's called Monster Town, but Monster Town. In, my, in a place of Monster City, I'm not sure because I haven't read, read it yet, so I don't know <laughs> what all the names are. But Monster City. Monster City. Is I'm that looking, what it is? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. I'm like trying to find <laughs> the details. Well, I Googled but, it after Because <laughs> I read about it previously, but I'm like, wait, what's the <laughs> Yeah, so so yeah, there's like a harpy side character who like helps Brianna in the restaurant and anyway, it just looks like a lot of fun and the artwork look, yeah, looks really sure great. Yeah, it sure does. The artwork's beautiful. Yeah, and Sam Sykes, he's done um I'm familiar with him like just online and all and he seems like a really fun fun guy and so I'm so I think his writing will be great yeah and then the art is great and just food centered and it's fantasy with monsters like it's just <laughs> it just looks like a ton of fun so add that to your pile of yeah food I know. comics the stack yeah. is growing excellent yeah. well, thanks so much yeah we'll add it to the list um mine for this month is one of my favorite TV shows, The Americans, comes back on tonight, mm. um, which I will not be watching tonight because I'm podcasting tonight, <laughs> but oh, me. <laughs> I'm very excited to see it. Like, there are very, very few shows that I watch, like, in, I mean, I think this is, like, becoming, like, the second show that I'll watch, like, as it airs, because I usually, like, just mm. wait till it's done and binge watch everything. Game of Thrones, of course, will be... <laughs> Is up there, but this show I love, The Americans. Um, so, um, if you're not familiar, it's about a um, a family. The parents are Russian spies, but they're like deep cover, like so much so that like their kids don't even know that they're spies. So they're living completely as Americans. Um, so I was interested to see, you know, as it was coming back on the air tonight, like um, if anybody had done anything about like food from The Americans, because like. As I've watched the show, like, it pops up quite a bit. Um, and I found this one article, this, this, um, pretty interesting. It's from the New Yorker, and it's not, it's not new. It's, like, from 2013. But it's from, like, an actual child of Russian immigrants who were not living undercover. <laughs> and just, like, kind of writing about her experience in relation to theirs. And she says she's completely jealous because she was a kid when she moved here and had to eat all their weird Russian food <laughs> where it's like this family since they're trying to be American is like intensely intensely American and so like these these foods that pop up like they bring 
brownies to their new neighbors that move in, and she packs her kids, like, peanut butter and jelly for lunch every day, <laughs> and, and stuff like this, but then, like, it, it's kind of cool because food plays a part in the show because it, it'll come up in interesting moments, you know, like, um, they, they come across some, like, Russian caviar and eat it one night, or, mm-hmm. um, they, there's one night that, um, that the husband is at, um, one of their, like, uh, other spy people's house and she has made some borscht and he gets to eat that for the first time in like you know 10-15 years or whatever so it's, it's kind of interesting like like the the role food plays in the show because they try so hard to be like American so like yeah mm-hmm. she's constantly making sandwiches in the kitchen <laughs> that's like, really interesting though to use food as I don't I don't know what words you'd say <laughs> anyway to, to use food in that way yeah to show, like to show what they are trying not to be exactly like, exactly you know because like it that. seems like whenever they eat like like quote Russian food well I mean actual Russian food like it's such an indulgence because they never let themselves like kind of go back to that part of themselves mm-hmm. you know they never let themselves speak Russian or like think about it you know so whenever they eat that type of food it's like such like a yeah. Um, you know, a, a big deal. <laughs> so it's really interesting. Well, it's interesting, yeah, that it's like, of, uh, there's, there, anyway, that food is chosen as that cultural difference. Yeah, absolutely. To examine, absolutely. kind of, or to magnify. Like, where, you know, it could be other parts of the culture, diff- cultural differences, but it, anyway, because food, that's why we have this podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> because food and fiction is, <laughs> it's a big deal. Meaningful. Yeah, it's a big deal. <laughs> Um, I also wanted to just add on really quick. Yeah. Um, I forgot to mention. So, Brave Chef, Brave Chef Brianna. So, it's one, uh, one of four is out right now. Um, but they are the first. So, issue number one, if you can get your hands on it, which I, I really need to get my hands on it, um, touts the very first ever chalkboard cover. Well, it's the back cover. Oh, fun. it's actually um, a material that you can write on with a, with chalk so kind of like a chalk menu oh that's you can interesting like fill in the blanks yeah isn't that is cool that, yeah that is really cool that's i like it clever yeah boom studios excellent anyway and also this is like a tangent but i have to put a plug for it yeah yeah the legend of zelda breath of the wild <laughs> <laughs> is what i've been doing <laughs> yeah for, you since, mentioned that since midnight <laughs> Hun, the third. Yeah, we went to the midnight release. Anyway, cooking. So cooking in Breath of the Wild is awesome. I just want to say, <laughs> like, I've been having so much fun because <laughs> you just get all these ingredients and you find, you like harass bokoblins and and then get <laughs> common do their fire pits and then like. Randomly put together, well, not randomly after a while, but put together a bunch of ingredients. And then Link is, Link is just so excited. He's like, oh, yeah. It's like, <laughs> like expression. Sometimes he'll like drool. He has to like wipe his mouth because he's so excited about what you created. Oh, that's anyway. awesome. But yeah, those, so that's just something fun. For all you people who are thinking about getting Breath of the Wild, it's amazing. Do it. <laughs> and for all those who do have it already, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Excellent. <laughs> okay, well now we can talk about the, the little white horse. <laughs> right. Okay, so what's your history with this book? Did you read it when you were a kid, or like more recently? 
recently. So uh, I actually, well, okay. So years and years ago when I worked at a specialty toy store, like we had um, a a nice little book section. um, And that's where I first saw like a paperback copy of The Little White Horse. And I knew it was like a classic or whatever, but I had never read it. But that was just when I first heard of it or, you know, saw of it, I guess. Like, but anyway, um, and then years and years and years later, like Netflix had this movie called The Secret of Moonacre and I thought it looked interesting. So I watched it and I really enjoyed it. And then I was like, oh, it's based on that book or it's adapted from that book, The Little White Horse. So then I like ordered a copy uh, and read it and what? And I, and I loved it. So this was a few years ago. Um, yeah. And then, and then I just reread it and rewatched it again, um, for this podcast. So, so yeah. So not as a kid, my experience with it has been as a grown up. Um, I don't know what my experience would have been if like, I feel like this would have been a good book to be read to as a kid. Oh, okay. Interesting. Like, because it's kind of, I don't know, like, for a kid to read on their own, because it's, it's very, I mean, it was written in, or it was published in 1946, but the setting is, like, 1842. Anyway, it's written in a very old style, I guess. So. Okay, so, like, a little bit, um, dense or flowery. Yes, so my first impression with a smile is (laughs) that this is a very, um, like, gossamer kind of book, if that makes sense. Like, not gaudy, because gaudy kind of makes it, it makes you think of, like, something over the top, like, too extreme, Mm -hmm. but gossamer, like dragonfly wings. Okay. I kind of get that. fairy, like... (laughs) Maybe... Fairy silks or something. Maybe, um... Yeah, I was just telling you beforehand, I didn't make it through the book for this. I did watch the movie. Um, but I think, like, that... Like, just from your description, that sounds like the type of book I liked as an older kid. Like, Mm -hmm. I liked that kind of, like, flowery language and Mm -hmm. just kind of, like, extra description and this type of thing. Um, I enjoyed it. I felt smart reading it. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, I mean, maybe that's, like, appealing to some kids. Yeah. So, like, for young, yeah, younger kids would be, yeah, like, having it be read to them. Because it's so visual. Like, it's all just very visual. I can see that because, like... Yeah, just having it be very comforting, like a nice content time. Like mm, have your mom yeah, just kind of lay back and get ready for bed yeah. and let it wash over you. Have some warm milk and honey. Oh or man, like, this sounds so so cozy. <laughs> right, let's do it right now. I know. Okay, <laughs> okay everybody, settle in. I'm gonna read to you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Which I will be reading something. We're gonna have a narration <laughs> segment. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I can see. Like, I guess you know, people who liked Anne of Green Gables. Um, like this, so this is yeah, and this does have another spunky, fantasy, spunky redhead in it, doesn't it? Well, yeah, I'm not. Sure. I can't. I don't know, but 
spunky. Yeah. She definitely spunky. Wasn't she a redhead? I don't remember. Like, perhaps. Yeah. Like she has freckles. Yeah, her her hair's reddish in the movie. I think. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Remembering right. Um. Um, But yeah, but they call this a low fantasy novel. So it's kind of oh, I like that description because like, it's like, not necessarily a magic real magical realism, right? Or, but so it like, might be considered that by some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely, yeah, definite fantasy stuff going on, not just yeah. as an extension of reality, but it's not just like in a world. It's not of, like Harry Potter. Like yeah. it's not there aren't laws or and limits. Like there, it's not a it's not a structured thing. It's very wit, kind of wispy and. It's very whimsical and like, um, and that's ex- Victorian times, un- unexpected right? Unexpected like, when it happens, yeah. So. Yeah, and it, but and, but also kind of matter of fact, like there's, it's just all very lovely, <laughs> like in in the belief and the, like, and it's also like re- has religious undertones, I think, because of um, the author's like upbringing and stuff, and her, I think her dad was maybe into theology or religion or something, but, like, and maybe, uh, you know, the time period as well, but, um, but, um, but it, but it's, it's just really cool, because it's, it's very much fairy tale, it's like there's, um, because of the setting, like, it's Europe and, or England in the, like, 18, mid-1800s, or a little bit before that, is the setting, and so, like, very, um, Christian, but also, it's, it's, like, just woven together, like, there's no batting an eye at, you know, yeah, horses from the sea, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, no big deal, that happens, (laughs) like, it's, so, it's all just, it all just drifts together, like, it's, it's really nice, yeah, yeah, it is. Well, would you like to give our summary this week? Because I think you're a little bit more familiar than I am. I'll try. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try not to get too long-winded. Good for it. <laughs> but, okay, so... Maria Merriweather uh, becomes an orphan at the beginning of the book, as often is the case with ch- children as the main character. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, and so she... Uh, goes to live with a cousin, a grown-up cousin, and at this beautiful estate called Moonacre, and it's in this little village called Silvery Dew. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but there I like she... how it's called Moonacre because like the moon comes into play. Yeah. Yeah. So sun and moon are very strong images right. in this, mm-hmm. um, and and very very direct. Like it's not subtle or anything. I mean, so, so yeah, so then she learns, she learns about um, the kind of the mystery and, and history and, um, magic of the area and of her lineage, her ancestry, um, and, and that of the, of the area of the, the whole valley, Moonacre Valley or Meriwether Valley. Um, yeah, so she, has to, yeah, unearth facts and items <laughs> and bring people together. So there's the Merryweathers. There's like a, yeah, there are like, there are like these bandits that live in the woods yeah. and in the bay. And, and then also like a very traditional family rivalry going on in the area. 
Yeah. So, like, book-wise, yeah, it's all, um, like, there's a romance that needs to be mended. There are, like, there's feuding that needs to be mended. And, um, so, yeah, but it's all very, and it all neatly, um, unfolds and wraps up, like, knits up in the, in the book, you know, at, at the end. Um, so there was, so we're also referring to the Secret of Moonacre film, which was like 2008, Eight. 2009, yeah, 2008 film. Um, and just FYI, there was a 1994, like, couple episode miniseries. But, like, I watched a trailer for it and I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, no, so if, you. you, if you're interested, but don't be. It exists, <laughs> <Okay>. but... <laughs> Alrighty. Yeah, and so Moonacre, so like I said, like, The Secret of Moonacre is what I, so I first saw that, and then I got interested in the book, and I read the book, and then I watched Moonacre again in preparation for this, and I was like, nope, that's wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's interesting, it's one of those ones where it's like, it's good if you watch the movie first. Honestly... And then read the book. Yeah. Even, like, I haven't read the book, but just watching this, it still feels of the era, like, I mean, it was 2008, so I guess that wasn't that long ago. Like, yeah. Like, I enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, yeah, But it still... stuck with me afterwards. It's still... I mean, it felt like it was even older older than that, in Mm. a way, because it feels like it was part of that era of, like, the 90s films that take these, like, fantasy books and kind of, like... Like, I could tell it was chopped and kind of yeah. remended to, like, what it was supposed to be, you know? And, like, just just watching it, I could tell that. Like, it had the feel to it. So, yeah. yeah, it's one of those adaptations that's like, yeah, that was enjoyable, but what's the real story? Like, yeah, like that kind of makes I can, you I can even tell, in, you know, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, I'm super interested in the book now, and especially, like, I mean... Especially as you're saying, like, it'd be good to be read to. Like, maybe, you know, like, we'll make this our, like, bedtime stories now, like, with me and my kids. Um, yeah. Like, it's a lovely book. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, it sounds, it's, it does sound lovely. Um, yeah. I know, like, isn't that funny? Like, the, really, like, that's the best word to describe it. Like, I know, it really does, because, I mean, this story, like, I mean, it's, it's not, like you know, terrible or heartbreaking or amazing. Like, it's just very lovely and pleasant. And it, it it's just nice. Like, I, like it's just a nice story. Yeah. And, and, that's, yeah. and that's not, like, meant in a, like, in a bad way at all. Like. Well, may I read you a quote um, yes. from Elizabeth Gooch? Please do. I was gonna, I was gonna share this at the end of yeah, the episode, yeah, yeah. but I think this fits in nicely. Um, she said, as this world becomes increasingly ugly, callous, and materialistic, it needs to be reminded that the old fairy stories are rooted in truth, that imagination is of value, that happy endings do, in fact, occur, and that the blue spring mist that makes an ugly street look beautiful is just as, a, as real a thing as the street itself. Oh, nice. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, I love that. And so, with, so the author... An author with this mentality yeah. wrote this book. So, and it's very, th- so that's what this book is. It's I like, love that. Cause like, it I, is the, the blue mist that. I know. Cause the- like, I'm always searching for like the gritty <laughs> truth, but you know, like uh, honestly, like 
th this type of story is yeah like like she says just as real yeah so yeah like it's a very nice. comforting a very um content a very pleasant like you know what i mean pleasant and it's, yeah. i know like that like that's the best word <laughs> But it, but it also like there are like some action sequences. I mean, where, there I mean, are just, you know what like I mean, it's written. There's stuff that happens. Well. There's a little bit yeah. of darkness, you know. But like I mean, in, in general, it's it's just very nice. Yeah. 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 And we <laughs> need needs need those kind of stories, especially in the lives of orphans, <laughs> as is the yeah. main character. Yeah, like she's she's orphans. taken to her I guess her cousin's house. He's he's yeah. like. Uh, I mean, th yeah, this is all very tropey. Yeah, so we ha we have the orphan. Well, the movie, yeah, very much. Oh, even more so than the book, I guess. Well, the yeah. book, he was a gregarious. He said he had a fruity laugh. <laughs> a he fruity was like a. Laugh. He was a large. He was a large man. Oh, okay. They who made him was very, you know, like very warm and. Well, they made him very handsome and cold in the movie. <laughs> so. Yeah, like, yeah. So they totally did the trope like that, yeah. But but the yeah. whole so there is that theme about like gender, like the sexes or whatever, like yeah. women. So, but in the book, in the book, I kind of feel like it was playing with that notion. I mean, because the setting again is eighteen forty-two, um, right? Where everything's very gender. and then yeah. sh the author published it in nineteen forty-six. So I feel like. There, there are, again, like, it's a pleasant book, but, like, you, you can feel a little bit of commentary about women. I mean, because the main character is a very, um, out, like, a, uh, a very capable girl, like, young girl, and, like, she's very matter-of-fact, and, you know, but she, but she also has good manners and stuff, but, like, and then there are comments about Oh, women like they ask too many questions or whatever, but it's. But anyway, it's like it's it's interesting and it's positive, like it's positive stuff. But it's kind of neat to see that. But yeah, in the movie, they, I don't know, like they couldn't, I guess, because in the book you can like be subtle about things. I mean, in writing you can be more subtle, right? A little bit more, but like, like yeah, I mean, they, they take a certain shorthand in in movies to like get. To, to a point. Yeah, it was kind of like smack. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, well, okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> but in the book, it wasn't like hardcore like that. Well, why don't we jump into food? Because there's so much. Yeah, let's so just do it. Because yes. So that, that jumping in, it's like a pool, a, a whole. Oh, like, yes. Huge, this, this will, this will lead us down a path. To jump I'm into. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, so we'll talk about The Secret of Moonacre and the book simultaneously. We'll see how this goes. So you have your list from the movie? I do. Okay. So, yeah, I'll let you okay. start since there may be earlier ones, but... Um, well, the first thing I have written down for the movie is charcoal tablets for indigestion. Oh, right, yeah, so, like, Miss Heliotrope... The governess. The governess, yeah, has like a major indigestion indigestion problem, which comes up <laughs> yeah. several times during the movie. And yeah, book. in the in the book, it says like when they when it's describing her at the very beginning, um, 
It says, Miss Heliotrope's nose was hooked like an eagle's beak, and in color was a deep, unbecoming puce, which aroused most people's instant suspicions. They thought she ate and drank too much, and that that was why her nose was puce. But as a matter of fact, Miss Heliotrope scarcely ate or drank anything at all, because she had such dreadful indigestion. And so she often carried around um, peppermints in her reticule. Nice. Which I had to look up. <laughs> I mean, I assume it's a thing that she carries with her to put stuff in. <laughs> but it, it's her little purse. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, yeah. So she always carry around a box of peppermints. And then, but in the, in the movie, it's like charcoal tablets, which, yeah, charcoal was a thing is a thing <laughs> for stuff like that I don't know yeah I think people still take it well yeah and char- yeah cause charcoal or if you've been poisoned or something like have some charcoal tea right, or something like that cause right. it'll absorb the exactly and like you know yeah. you, there's charcoal masks if we want to get back into skincare what <laughs> <laughs> then like pull out all nice. the impurities. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and then well, I think so. Something, but then the next thing that I that I have written down um, is it when they're already there? Is that what you have? Well, what, I, what she finds in her room. Yes, I have that. Um, yeah, Maria wakes up to milk and gingerbread cookies in her room in the morning. In her little fairy room. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, her room is beautiful. It's like um, all the walls are like a giant mural, and they shoot stars at night. Like the mural moves. It's very magical. And yeah, so she wakes up her first morning, and there's. There's milk and cookies there, and she wakes up to this every day. <laughs> so. Yeah. So in the book, it says, uh, When Maria started to explore her room, she found that it was not without luxuries. Over the fireplace was a shelf, and on it stood a blue wooden box filled with dainty biscuits with, sh- with sugar flowers on them, in case she should feel hungry between meals. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then milk... Also, she was so not specifically gingerbread, but they were just cookies, and they they made them. De- yeah, but you're right in the, in the, the movie. movie yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the movie, they're really pretty, like little, like one was like a butterfly, and one was a horse, and but yeah, really pretty um, with the white outlines. Yeah, um, and okay, so yeah, we already mentioned Marmaduke Scarlet. But, like, you're not... In the book, you're not introduced... Well, I think, like, the movie, it kind of takes a little while to be introduced to him. It does. it's a mystery. Right. His presence is a mystery. And... Like, it, Marie even asks, like, uh, asks, who's making all this food? <laughs> you know? So... Yeah, and it's the same in the book. Like, Miss Heliotrope is positive that there has to be a woman in the house. <laughs> be- you know, because who is taking care of this house so, so like, perfectly... Like, the drapes and the this and that, you know. Right, and, they don't see any housekeepers. Tidying up. Yeah, and, sh- and the food. And she's like, there has to be a woman in charge of all this stuff. And, um, but then later on, so that's kind of a mystery about, like, where's the kitchen and who's who's doing all these things. Um, and then and then we find out that it's Marmaduke Scarlet. And, and he, he is actually the one that isn't into women, 
like more so than Sir Benjamin because I mean Sir Benjamin like there's heartache there like there's a reason but we don't even know what we don't know what's up with Marmaduke Scarlet he's like this old dwarf like a gnome kind of guy like what we know we don't know his history he's been around the block though but for some reason he's like he's the one that's kind of like oh women they they're disagreeable right <laughs> but he really likes uh, Miss Heliotrope and Maria mm-hmm. so anyway and they like it and they're so it's like a mutual surprise because Miss Heliotrope is like it's a man that is it's a gentleman who's in charge of this like I'm very impressed and he's like I'm very impressed with you too like, well it doesn't so. seem like that should be that surprising at the time right because like I mean there were a lot of like male chefs like I mean women are the housekeepers but like men are the I mean I don't know like I don't know. Like, well, I think it was still a time where it was like w- women were cooks, you know, like Downton Abbey and stuff. Well, yeah, of course, yeah, of course, yeah. But like, but you're right. It's like chefs. When you think of chefs, like with their restaurants and stuff, it's like you always think of men, or right? Whatever. But like the housekeepers, I guess you're right. But, yeah, yeah. But apparently, it was like whoever was doing the cooking, like they just assumed whoever was doing the cooking was also doing the tidying up of the house, right? Which he was also. And being, like, sneaky, like, sneaking into their rooms and fixing up their bedrooms and stuff. <laughs> like, that was him. All right. <laughs> but he just, he was just, like, yes, sneaky about it. Except one morning he actually did reveal himself to Miss Heliotrope and she almost passed out. <laughs> she was like, what? There hasn't been a man in my bedchambers for <laughs> And they're like, they're like, well, if he showed this himself scandal. to you, that means that he likes you. Like, that means that he approves of you or okay. whatever. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, so, um, so in the book, the, their meals are listed. So just like what JK Rowling was saying, like what inspired her to list the foods at the, um, you know, in the Harry Potter, in the the Wizarding World meals or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, she lists them out. Anyway, so, um, let's see. So supper. The supper was delicious. There was homemade crusty bread, hot onion soup, delicious rabbit stew, baked apples in a silver dish, honey, butter the color of marigolds, a big blue jug of warm mulled claret, and hot roasted chestnuts folded in a napkin. Miss Heliotrope confined herself (laughs) to eating bread and butter and sipping a little claret, but she did it with an appetite that surprised her. Maria ate everything there was to eat very daintily, as was her habit, but with an enjoyment surprising in one so ethereal-looking. Her cousin greeted her good appetite with a chuckle of appreciation. A digestion of cast iron, like all the Merryweathers, he noted with approval. Your little dog also, I know, is a good trencherman. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So there, and, and in the book, it's really nice. Like There are these animal companions like there's a little foo-foo dog and then there's a hare or a, a you know not not a rabbit but cousin to the rabbit the hare and then there's rolf who is not a dog <laughs> like in the book they refer to him as a dog but the whole time maria's like i i'm pretty sure that's not a dog <laughs> and then finally towards the end she's like yeah, that's not a... And then the boy, Robin, is like, duh. I knew, like, yeah, it's a, it's a lion. Oh. <laughs> and she's like, well, why does 
Sir Benjamin keep calling him a dog? He's like, well, he doesn't want to alarm anyone. Oh, this <laughs> like, <is> hilarious. <laughs> so I guess there's some people who, I guess, I think they all just pretend like. Yeah, yeah, it's all. Because <laughs> the implication of like having a lion, but yeah. Right, right. So it wasn't magical, like a magical shape shift, shape shifting. Like... Yeah, yeah, it was just a lion. They're calling a dog. <laughs> it was a lion. Yeah, but but again, because it's a visual medium, because in the book, the reader might, like, some of the readers might be like, oh, I guess it's just a big dog. It could be a fantastical dog. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> there's not the imagery that you're yeah, being that's pretty fed, funny. So I like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, the meal scenes are like that. Like, they've, <laughs> it's listed yeah, out. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, each yeah. meal, like, here's what you're having. Because, yeah, the next note I have is the next morning when they come down for breakfast. Um, yeah, Miss Heliotrope's eating. Um, she tells Marie to sit down and have her por- porridge. Um, you must try this delicious kedgeri. And. Yeah, what is, what is that? So, yeah, this is going to be my recipe. I haven't made it yet either. But I've made kechari, which is what it's um, based off of. So, kechari is the, um, I mean, I'll talk a little bit more about it, I guess, when we get to our recipes and stuff. Okay, yeah, whenever. But it's like, yeah, it's like the the British interpretation of, like, a classic, um, you know, Indian-Pakistani dish, which is, like, um, rice rice and lentils all mixed together. Kechari means mixed together. They, nice. they translate to Kedri. They eat it as like a breakfast porridge. Yeah. You really, you must, you must really try this delicious Kedri. And then Sir Benjamin says, "A dish best enjoyed in silence." I'm told. <laughs> right. It's like stuff it, Benjamin, in the film. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like Sir Benjamin in the book would not. <laughs> okay, so they yeah they changed his personality because like yeah, yeah he's like a real jerk but like. Yeah, you can tell, like, underneath it all, like, he's very kind, so, like, I think they were trying to kind of, yeah, see, this feels, like, right in the era where they were still trying to, like, form to a certain storyline. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's because they, like, it's the the jilted lover or whatever, like, the the falling out, the lovers had the falling out, and so now he's like, ah, all women, like, it's too much heartbreak or whatever. Yeah. And so he, like, swears off all women. Still, I mean, like, this, this movie, like, I liked it, but it felt so formulaic, like, I couldn't believe it was from 2008. I thought it was from earlier. (laughs) Yeah, interesting. So, in the book, so, but why, sir, asked Maria, mm-hmm. her silver spoon arrested in midair, mm-hmm. don't you like females? Ooh. Not as a general rule, said Sir Benjamin. <laughs> then he bowed very gallantly, first to Miss Heliotrope and then to Maria. But there is always something particularly delightful about exceptions to a rule, he said. <laughs> he spoke with such sincerity that neither Miss Heliotrope nor Maria felt any sinking of the heart at the thought that they had come to live in an anti-feminine bachelor household. Yet they looked at each other in stupefaction. It was hard to believe any mere male capable of such superb soup and such a princely stew. <laughs> but they asked no more questions. <laughs> anyway, because something else was started happening. But like, like, I don't know how to feel about this. It's like disdain for, for both sexes. It's like wrong on both parts. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you and Maria are the first members of the fair sex to set foot in this house for 20 years, Sir Benjamin informed her. Yeah, and you later on learn that, like, he's kind of, they've kind of prided themselves on the fact. But, but, <laughs> but it's, but it's not true because, 
um, his former fiance actually has been coming to the house for <laughs> 20 years right. incognito, like in, secretly. <laughs> so, so again, it's like that kind of not so, I don't know if subversive is the right word, but it's like. Like, the reader knows that they're, like, the men, like, it's a silly thing, and, but, and the women are very strong in this book. Like, everybody is, like, okay. has heart to heart or whatever, Sorry, like, in, at the end. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. I started like reading some stuff because <laughs> I have the book open. Um, yeah. So like, so it's just interesting the way that it's you know touched upon. I guess I like that. I, I like that they're highlighting yeah the yeah difference between the genders. I don't know if I agree yeah. with either point, but it's like nice that it's brought up. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, again, it's like, you know, the time period. And, yeah, obviously. Like, I mean, I mean of, that, of that's, the setting. that's super enlightened for the time period, for sure. Yeah, and it's like, um, like, yeah, these, these are, this is the, you know, socially acceptable, like, this is what, like, in the 1800s or whatever, like, yeah, women are too, like, too curious or ask too many questions or talk too much or, you know, complain too much or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. they have their place and then the men have their place. Um, and so, yeah, this book is, because, because Miss Hilary Tripp was like, surely it's not a man that is, you know, making such wonderful food. And then, you know, so they, so they, they both, both sides have their preconceptions. Yeah, exactly. Misconceptions, yeah. And then everybody, but in the end, everybody is revealed and everybody is happy, you know, like everybody gets along. That's happily right. After, like, <laughs> and they all accept, you know, accept for being who they are. Um, so, so we mentioned the, the sugar biscuits or the like flour biscuits mm -hmm. or cookies. Um, and then, and then in another scene, the sugar biscuit that she ate, uh, was a long shaped, long shaped one decorated with a green shamrock. Um, so that was actually something cause I've made the sugar biscuits, um, on my food blog, my fiction food blog. Oh, um, yeah, and but uh, but I kind of it'd be nice anyway. Reading this again, I was like, oh, it might be nice to just make like a little, like call them dainty biscuit, like a little cookie with like just a very simple white glaze, and then um, just like paint, paint on a little shamrock. Oh, but I'm just imagining cute. kind of like a yeah. rectangle, like a little slender cookie, like you know, and then just a little shamrock. I mean, because when is St. Patrick's Day? I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes it just made oh, me like think of that. Oh, like next week, right? Or the week yeah, after. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, you should totally do it. Yeah. Yeah. But just like really, like super simple. Yeah. You know, because it would just be, you know, you take the food color gel and some uh, clear almond extract. Nice. Um, you know, and make out like a little paint. Right. And then paint it on. Yeah. Anyway. That was just something that stood out to me this this time around. Um, oh, sausages! All right. 
that's with three exclamation points. <laughs> that's in that's in the the text. Yeah. So so um, that breakfast scene that you mentioned. So like um, uh, Maria gets porridge put in front of her. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and then and then you mentioned the the kudri, um, and then there it looked like heliotrope was having like mouthfuls of scrambled eggs, and then she was having buttered toast. She was like super into it. Um, yeah, and then and then in the so another which, which um, is breakfast. like of note because she normally eats nothing, you know. So like it was really good food that yeah. she felt was good for her digestion. So she ate a lot. <laughs> Yeah, and and they did a good job portraying that she was like, oh, mm, like really, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> like kind of stuffing around, which was which is how it was in the book too. Mm-hmm. That like she had an appetite which she normally didn't. Yeah. Um, so sausages. Sir Benjamin paused a moment and then, with intense relief, suddenly bellowed, "Sausages!" <laughs> <laughs> for a moment. <laughs> For a moment, Maria thought that sausage, with a capital S, was another thing that one must have to attain perfection. Because they were talking about um, qualities for gaining perfection. Um, courage, purity, love, and joy. It's so Benjamin paused. Yes, paused a moment, and then Bella had sausages. Nice. So Maria thought, thought that sausage was yeah something for gaining perfection. Um, but then a delicious smell told her that her cousin had descended descended suddenly from the spiritual plane to the material, where she guessed that he was really happier and more at home. <laughs> so, yeah, sausages. Um, they didn't have only sausages for breakfast. Uh, they had huge home-cured ham, brown-boiled eggs, coffee, tea, new-baked bread, honey, cream, with a thick yellow crust on the top of it. So, like, cod... Cuddled cream. cream. Anyway, freshly churned butter and milk so new that it was still warm and frothing. So wide and delicious was the choice that Maria excelled herself in the way of appetite. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, yes. Raw meat for Rolf, the lion dog. <laughs> so, yeah, so again, the list of food for. <laughs> for breakfast um yeah so then in the movie what what have we got next um let's see the next one I have is uh the dog that runs by with our whole roast chicken in his mouth yeah <laughs> that's yeah that was so random he just like yeah they just watch him like walk, walk by and then he like comes back a moment later like with the whole <laughs> with the whole Go for it, Rolf. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Rolf eats a lot. So, so then the next one I have is, um, yeah, Maria goes out. Uh, sorry, Maria goes out. Um, she is told, like, so she goes out on a ride with her cousin. I, I keep wanting to say uncle. I guess her cousin. Um, yeah, uncle like cousin. Un- uncle like cousin. Yes, older cousin. <laughs> so, yeah. and um, she. Um, so he says it's time to go home, but she wants to stay out. So he says, yes, you can ride. Um, don't go in the forest, which she ends up doing. (laughs) And then, um, so she comes back without her horse, and, um... Yes. And so... He is drinking by the fire with the hair that she had met in the forest. 
Yeah, which sadly in the like in the book they specifically say not a bunny, like not a rabbit. It's a hare. Quite different. And then Well, I must the, note this in the movie they're like, It's a special moonacre rabbit. Like Oh no. Well, well weirdly enough hair. in my in my notes I just said hare. <laughs> yeah, which it is. Your brain knows. I like. guess. Like I don't remember what they said, but like in my notes it's just hair. Yeah, it's totally a hare. Okay, cool. Serena, yeah. Serena, because she was like, oh, Serene, but also Cel- Celine is like a moon goddess. Like, that's why Serena, it, that's why Sailor Moon I was going to say Serena, Serena cause of Sailor Moon. Version. <laughs> so. Yeah, so that's also a moon reference. And he's soggy because, okay, for Because rabbit. she's the moon princess. Like, so, um. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because we mentioned the sun and the moon when we were talking about kind of like the summary of the book. So, um, yeah, Maria Merriweather is this generation's moon princess, basically, right. for this for this family and this you know fairy tale that's happening. Um, and then there's always a sun Merriweather as well, which is kind of like an opposite personality. I mean, complementary personality. Yes. So yeah, so each generation has those kind of um, personality aspects, sun and moon. Yeah. So that's cool. The Serena, the rabbit, the hare, not a rabbit. (laughs) (laughs) It was also a moon name. Um, Also, um, did you notice the huge picture of like some brown drink and then Sir Benjamin put in the raw egg? I did. Yeah. And the breakfast scene. And then, yeah, Miss Heliotrope was like, and then she like gives a really big breath. (laughs) Yeah. So that, that both are, like, yeah, I noted that. Reminded me of a couple things. <laughs> of the never-ending story. I was about to say, never-ending story. Yeah, totally. The dad, the dad the, the never-ending yeah. story. Raw eggs. The power drink. And then also the Beauty and the Beast, which is about to come out. <laughs> so. Oh, is there? I don't remember. No, Gaston's like all about the raw eggs, right? <laughs> oh, does he have that? <laughs> yeah. But no, my number one was never-ending story. Yeah, I thought I thought about yeah. that scene. <laughs> the breakfast scene. Yeah, totally. The man's power breakfast. Right, right. Man, the power, man's power, the power man's, man's power breakfast. Must have eggs. <laughs> um, you're not manly unless you're eating raw eggs at breakfast. Yeah, wasn't that like in Rocky or whatever? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Serena, um, I haven't seen Rocky. I've seen Never Ending Story. <laughs> so, I'll compare it to that. There were rock rock biters and <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um I'm gonna cut that part out because it's so nerdy. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Serena is not to be put in a pie, said Maria firmly. She is my friend and is never, never to be eaten. Eating rabbit is bad enough, but eating hair is a crime. That's right. I seldom eat hair, and when I do, I have it not in a pie, but jugged in port wine. All right. (laughs) A royal mode of cookery that befits so regal an animal. You're not to jug Serena, said Maria. My dear, I wouldn't dream of jugging Serena. (laughs) Anyway. Love it. The book. (laughs) It's just, it's fabulous. (laughs) Oh no, one of my tabs fell out. Um, Yeah. Jug of cream, a bowl of eggs. Yeah. Oh, here's the syllabub. So tell us about syllabub. Because this is like the first. When I first read the book, uh, I was like, syllabub. All right. What's I don't about? know about syllabub. I was. 
I was thinking. Oh, well, I was saying what I know about it is it's a hot drink and it's eggy with cream. So like I don't know how to make it, but like I know it's kind of like an interesting. It's kind of like I mean, it's kind of like an egg so, eggnoggy drink. I feel like, but it's hot. Like yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a yeah, like you're saying, like a sweet kind of like frothy drink. Yeah, um, but yeah. So like it, a this hot time toddy. period, yeah, yeah. So like 16th to 19th centuries, like it's. But but there's also like a ver- kind of versions of it today, or maybe in more of a dessert form. Yeah. Um. But but this but yeah this time period like you're saying it would be like more of a drink. Um. But here so talking about Marmaduke, so syllabub was another food that really stood out to me mentioned in this book because it because it was like a new or like it's such an interesting sounding thing to yeah. me. Yeah. Um. Uh, he went through one of the doors in the wall through which Maria could see a cool stone vaulted larder and came back with a big blue bowl full of eggs and a blue jug of cream and mounting once more upon his stool he this is talking about Marmaduke Scarlet proceeded to make a syllabub twelve eggs went to the making of the syllabub a pint of cream and cinnamon for flavoring will Miss Heliotrope be able to eat that syllabub after that pie? It appeared that Marmaduke's sensitive, quivering nose had scented from afar a box of peppermints in Miss Heliotrope's reticule, for as soon as he had whisked up the syllabub, he made a nice plain junket with a dash of brandy in it and nutmeg on top. Anyway, so he just talks about, like, all these... (laughs) So he knows that she has bad um, indigestion, and so, like, he's whipping up the syllabub, but then he also, like, makes some other things for her, you know, to to hopefully help her tummy. Um, there will be coddled egg. And anyway. But yeah, so syllabub, so like 12 eggs, a pint <laughs> of cream, and cinnamon. Yeah, so he's going to town. Yeah. Um, red jello in the movie. Miss Heliotrope is seen eating some red jello. That's right. <laughs> randomly i don't know <laughs> like yeah yeah and it it and it's um let's see sorry i'm like i had a note by this um oh yeah this is where she mentions she's like where does the food come from <laughs> and miss celia trips mm-hmm. like yeah no big deal don't ask too much because <laughs> <laughs> as long as it keeps coming. Right, right. She's <laughs> enjoying her red jelly. <laughs> um, so then, yeah, in the movie, yeah. this is the point where we meet, and I'm not sure in the book, but, like, let's talk about him. Marmaduke Scarlet, the chef of the house. Yeah, chef of all chefs. Um, yeah, so when, when Maria comes across him, like, there's a table full of, like, gorgeous baked goods, big bowl of eggs, some kind of braided bread, like a nice garden out back, and, like, he goes in the garden to pick stuff. Um, he asks her to pick chervil, and she's like, I don't know what that is, but I'll go pick it, you know? And he... Yeah. Yeah, and he gives her a nice little uh, palm, too. He says, the oats and fruits are sweet. Always make a healthy treat. <laughs> Yeah, what was... I don't know. It was really cute. Yeah. yeah. He, and he's... Barbara Dick's He's like chef chopping, chopping, chefs. chopping. He chops onion, potato, um, carrot. Oh, 
and here we go. He says he's making Lunar Souffle and Astral Meringue. Oh, good. I'm glad you caught that. Yeah, and then later on he says Stargazer Pie. Right. Like, okay, so here we go. So, All these, like, I didn't catch the other space. Yeah, so, like, yeah, like, a lot of, like, spacey name drops of dishes. So what were they? It was, what were the Lun- two you said? Lunar Souffle and Astral Meringue. Which is interesting because those are both like cool. light, airy, egg yeah. egg based, and egg is like associated with the moon because it's like white yeah. and round and whatever. So yeah, yeah, and then the, and then perhaps a piece of stargazer pie while you study. Nice, okay, because that's like this. And then she like left it on a bookshelf. I'm like, girl, you better eat that pie. Oh, I think she might have eaten the piece, but yeah, so Stargazer Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. But that's not... And then he says, I've got my gastro back and juggles lime, lime, and orange. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they like really a made total it, nerdy made food a curious line character. Drop. Yeah, the... okay. So, like, that, that's <laughs> not a 2008 movie line. That's, a, like, a nerdy food line. Thank you. Yeah. Marmaduke yeah, Scarlet. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> Um, yeah, so in the book, she finally, like, she, there's a big cat named Zachariah that she follows into the kitchen, and, and Rolf is there also. Yeah, Zachariah is a cat that can, like, write pictographs with his tail or his How paws and ashes to, to convey messages. <laughs> um, okay, so, let me see, where did it go? Marmaduke Scarlet. At your service, young mistress. Wait, let's see. Is that the first? Here we go. Maria in the kitchen once more stood and gazed. The kitchen was glorious. So it goes on to describe the kitchen. Um, And then... So it's just this, this amazing kitchen, basically. So full and perfectly organized. Um, So... One of the stools, one of those stools had been pulled up to the table and standing upon it facing Maria as she came in was a little hunchback dwarf making pastry. He gave a brief nod and pointed with his rolling pin to the bench against the wall. Marmaduke Scarlet, at your service, young mistress, he said in a crisp, squeaky voice, seat yourself. Seat, <laughs> should I turn? The crisp, squeaky voice, seat yourself, <laughs> but, do, <laughs> but do not articulate. I cannot indulge in conversation while I am engaged in the creation of a veal pie. So I also made the made a veal pie because of this scene. But I'm, we'll, I'll put a link to it. But yet, though his manner was abrupt, he seemed well disposed towards her. For there suddenly flashed across his face a smile so broad that the ends of it disappeared. That the ends of it seemed to run into his ears. Then his small, round, sparkling black eyes twinkled at her very pleasantly. Um, yeah and then it was a delight to watch Marmaduke Scarlet making pastry for if ever a man was a master craftsman at his work that that man was Marmaduke he wielded his rolling pin like a king's scepter and so light was his pastry that it looked more like sea foam than dough as he flicked it over on his board beside him stood a great dish full of succulent chunks of veal and ham hard boiled eggs, parsley and chopped onion Maria's mouth watered as she looked at it, and when he swung the great oval of white pastry over it, she had to swallow hard. Then he started to make the decorations for the top of it, his skillful fingers pinching out flowers and leaves from the dough with an artistry that any sculptor might have envied. 
when it was done, he carried it to one of the fireplaces, blah, 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 blah. Anyway. <laughs> so, what a beautiful yeah. description. I love it. I know. And there's the ingredients right there. So that's like what I what I put in it. Awesome. <laughs> ham, ham, veal, hard broiled eggs, parsley, and chopped Yes, onion. yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and we already talked about that. Yeah, so he is super skillful. Um, oh, and then also, so remember we've mentioned humbugs in the past? Yes. Like with Harry Potter, Dumbledore liked the humbugs. Um, Christmas Carol. Well, then, of course, we kind of <laughs> joked about it with Christmas Carol. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then here, so Miss Heliotrope, because of her um, indigestion, she's partial to peppermints, so um, one of the servants... Uh, went into town and got you know some food items like gifts for uh, for different for some of the animals and for Maria and stuff um, and then he handed bullseyes to Miss Heliotrope for you ma'am he said I knows I knows you be partial to peppermint and he, he kind of like blushed when he <laughs> when he said it um, so peppermint bullseyes so that's basically the same thing as a humbug oh okay the bullseyes. Yeah, so I had to, like, look it up, because when you think of bullseyes... Or no, I... In my mind, I was thinking, like, buckeyes. It reminded me of, like, buckeyes, but we're talking about, like, peppermint. But even bullseye, so, I mean, that that seems like the round peppermints that we eat normally, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that's... Yeah, so that's basically, um... What it is. Okay. Is the... A similar sweet to a humbug. Um, okay. But I guess traditionally it's like a sphere. It's okay, like so a it's like round, shape. not a disc. Um, like with with black and white stripes. Mm. Um, or but but peppermint flavored. Gotcha. Anyway, I guess they're also called like bullets. I'm like looking at on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So they're like the ball the spheres. Okay. Yeah. So that uh, that was just another kind of thing that stood out to me. Cool. Um, and. Yeah. And then the bandit table in the movies. You remember all their Yes. Games? So they yeah, they go to this castle and there's some kind of feast and I noticed a lot of goblets and a lot of grapes. <laughs> so that's pretty much what I got from the scene. Yeah. yeah. And I have like pineapple question mark. <laughs> like I don't even know. I don't remember seeing that, like, but that's possible because it seems like like not like just the like yellow chunks. Okay. Of fruit like or I definitely noticed like... grapes. So like it's possible that they had like yeah, like a bunch of fruits out. But that that seems like I mean they were trying to make this seem very decadent, you know, like Yeah. Cuz yeah. especially at that time period like fruit in general was very decadent cuz it's just not as easily available. <laughs> especially if you're a Stark. That's right. right. <laughs> Up in the <laughs> in the north. Oh man, God bless you for your <laughs> drop. <laughs> what? Anyway. <laughs> um so in the book that scene it scene is really cute, like because it's Robin okay, so in the book Rob the boy Robin is not the son of it's not like a Ronia the Robber's daughter thing going oh, okay. on with like the daughter and son of feuding feuding families or whatever. Like, so in the book, Robin is the son of not the bandit guy. <laughs> and he's been like a childhood friend of Maria. And actually they would play together while she still lived in London um, because he would have out of body 
spiritual experiences. <laughs> Basically, he would be dreaming, like he would fall asleep, and then his spirit would like go play with her in London. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I know, right? Like what? <laughs> And Miss Heliotrope always just assumed, even when she did meet him in person, she still thought that the boy that Maria talked about when she was a kid was just make-believe. Maria is like, no, he's real, like, here he is. (laughs) She's like, well, I don't know if you're that boy, but I, but, hi. (laughs) I like you. Um, but yeah, he says, um, so so this is kind of like theology working its way into, um, into her uh, Elizabeth Gouge's writing. Um, Sometimes I'd be keeping the sheep in Paradise Hill or weeding the manor house garden and suddenly I'd feel sleepy and I'd curl around in the grass or among the flowers and doze off and then I'd find myself in London or I'd suddenly feel sleepy while I was scrubbing the Merryweather Chantry and I'd lie down on top of Sir Rolf, well meaning like the tomb, tombstone, and with my head on and doze off. Anyway, um, and I'd feel sleepy... I was there with mother and it sits down on the floor and la la la. I asked mother about it once and she said that we are really all of us two people, a body person and a spirit person. And when the body person is asleep, the spirit person who lives inside it, like a letter inside an envelope, can come out and go on journeys. There you go. <laughs> so out of body experience nice. explained explain this. Anyway, but back to the robbers, um, so the so Robin and Maria go into the woods with the animals, Rolf, Periwinkle, Serena, and the foo-foo dog. Is it Wiggins? Anyway, yeah, Wiggins. So they're like two kids marching with the animals. Anyway, they go through the woods, the, the twilight forest, and come to the robber castle. Or the Coq de Noir stronghold castle, and um, anyway, and they sneak in, and then and then they see this meal. They're about to have supper. All the like twenty bandits or whatever are about to have supper, or they just call them capital B, capital M, the black men. Huh. And then when they say, and they say, it's like capital T for them, like them, right? Because <laughs> they like they're poachers yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Like they and they steal the anyway. Um, so they're about to sit down and have supper, and so the kids are like, "Let's wait until they like pretty much get drunk, get get in better in a like a um, happy mood from the stolen cider, <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll present ourselves <laughs> to them." So they didn't get caught, like. Um, they got threatened to be put in a dungeon after they were discovered, but, like, they they just, like, walked downstairs, and Robin was, like, playing his pipes, and they were, like, singing along with the song that the bandits were singing, and all the bandits were just, like, kind of stupefied, and then they just said, oh, I'll I'll read it, it's really funny. So it's not, like, how it happened in the movie. Um, uh, Okay. They crept through the door and shut it noiselessly behind them. They were standing in a small stone gallery from which a narrow stone staircase led to the great hall of the castle down below. It was evidently kitchen as well as hall for a log fire was burning in the great hearth and huge chunks of meat were roasting on spits before it. That will be Sir Benjamin's beef, Robin whispered to Maria. His best bull was stolen a few days ago, you know. No, I didn't know. Well, it was. (laughs) And, And Peterkin Pepper's father had all his eggs stolen yesterday and Prudence's father missed a barrel of cider last Wednesday and all Miss Honeybun's bread disappeared. 
So, so they had a large dish of hard-boiled eggs, loaves of bread, and jugs of cider. Um, Maria was not as much interested in the food as in the human beings in the hall. Okay, fierce-looking men. They are going to have dinner. They have their dinner very late. They have it when they've finished being wicked for the day, <laughs> explained Robin. <laughs> that's, that's really funny like, how they talk about that. Okay. Um, yes, so they had started the meal rather bad-tempered. But as it went on, and more and more of Sir Benjamin's beef and honey bun, Mr. Honeybun's cider and eggs and bread and the beautiful fish from Merryweather Bay went down their throats, they got jollier and jollier. <laughs> anyway, so then the kids presented themselves. And then, because Merryweather Bay, nobody can get to it because the, the robbers are there. The bandits have taken it over, so nobody can ever get any fish. And everybody's really sad about that. Um, and then the kids, so the kids just place themselves on either side of, of the, the robber leader and ask, may I, may I have some fish? <laughs> like, as soon as that astonished silence came again, so Maria sat herself down on the bench beside her host, pulled a clean plate towards her and said it in her very clear silvery voice, please, may I have some, may I have some fish? And Robin also sat down and said, Me too, please. And scarcely seeming to know what he did, the leader of the black men stretched out his fork, speared two fish from the dish in front of him, gave one each to Maria and Robin, and at the prompting of a savage meow behind him, cut off the fish heads and flung them over his shoulder to Zachariah, the cat. It's delicious fish, sir, said Maria, eating daintily. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah. So they... <laughs> So they just plop themselves down to have some fish. <laughs> so at the end of the book, um, like spoiler, I guess. Well, it's all been spoilers, but um, they come up with like a bartering. So like the the men, the bandits, um, trade or sell the fish in town, and then you know get items from town that they can't produce in the forest, <laughs> like the you know beef and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And then, and then just a couple, a couple last, um, from the book. I'm about to prepare an omelet for your delectation at supper, he said, and I require the butter, which I put to cool this morning within the well. So they talk about, so there's this little secret, or not secret, there's this little well that has these, um, like in the kitchen garden that has these like compartments to cool things, which is kind of cool. Like, so I guess in that time, you know, the time period, because there are no refrigerators, so they would, you know, use um, water sources to cool, keep items cool. Um, so, like, butter and eggs and things like that. Anyway, which, with this little pool, so while Maria is reaching in to get some butter, she happens to find something else. Mm. But I won't say what it is. <laughs> That's, but it's not, not a food item. Um, <clears throat> okay. The table was covered with a checkered red and white tablecloth that matched the counterpane, and upon it was set a blue dish full of apples, a yellow jug of milk, a purple plate upon which were piled buttered scones, two green plates, and two mugs to match. <laughs> anyway, so that was really cute. All the, this is Marmaduke Scarlet's little, little um, living space. 
So he has all these different. It's, he has like fiesta wear. I oh, guess, nice. Basically. Yeah, very colorful. <laughs> he seems like he would. Yeah, apple, apple and scone spread so thickly with yellow butter that there was almost as much butter as scone. Um, and that kind of reminds me of because Sir Patrick Stewart, his favorite sandwich, if you would call it a sandwich, is just like a like thickly buttered bread with a slice of green apple, like Granny Smith oh, yeah. apple on top. And so this kind of reminds me of that. Uh, it says munching away at apple and scones spread so thickly with yellow butter. So it makes me think it's like a scone yeah, spread with thick butter and the, with, with apple on top of it. Like an apple slice. Because uh-huh. it says apple and scones. Anyway. Yeah. So I'm like, whoa, Patrick Stewart. Go for it. <laughs> that's what Mar- that's Marmaduke Scarlet's breakfast as well. Good job. <laughs> Okay, so there are, like, weddings at the end of the book. There are, like, three marriages. <laughs> everybody gets married at the right. end. Basically, everybody gets married, except the, for the Bandit King. But they're, but they're friends. They're friendly at the end. Um, <clears throat> okay, so Marmaduke Scarlet has, it, it makes this huge, like, tea party. Well, Maria organized a tea party to, like put everything to like um make have everyone make amends at she staged this like tea party um and so marmaduke scarlet is in on it and so he's making the food he says have no fear young mistress came marmaduke's voice soothingly behind her there is enough there is sufficient plum cake saffron cake cherry cake iced fairy cakes eclairs gingerbread meringues syllabub almond fingers rock cakes chocolate cakes parkin cream horns devonshire splits cornish pasty pasty i always get that except jam sandwiches lemon curd sandwiches lettuce sandwiches cinnamon toast and honey toast to feed 20 and more have no fear young mistress when marmaduke scarlet is cook there is always enough but the mold claret cried maria of that also said marmaduke there is an unlimited supply <laughs> <laughs> how about that <laughs> yeah they ate and drank and laughed and sang songs, and when at last the black men rode away, singing into the sunset, there was not a crumb of food or a drop of anything to drink left upon the table, nor a drop of hatred in any heart, nor a crumb of bitterness in any mind. <laughs> yeah. And then... Oh, and this is this was sweet. Like, So, old Parson and Miss Heliotrope lived at the Parsonage together. They're one of the marriages. Anyway, they... Anyway, that's really sweet. That's kind of that's a nice little tie up for them. Anyway, Miss Heliotrope did not have indigestion anymore because her indigestion had originally been the result of her grief at her separation from her first love. Anyway, and now that she was married to him, there wasn't any point in having indigestion. <laughs> so she was reunited with her. I'm like totally spoiling this for you, but <laughs> Sorry. And then there's a wedding cake that Marmaduke made, and that's the last the Aww, last food of the book. wedding um, cake. That's, that's a fit in. Yeah. Um, it's such a superlatively wonderful feast that even Marmaduke himself was inclined to think it the crowning achievement of his distinguished culinary career. The white-iced wedding cake was the side of a, size of a cartwheel at its base, and was six feet tall, mounting up like a pyramid. It was decorated with sugar flowers and fruit and birds and stars and butterflies and bells, and at the very top there was a tiny sickle moon and a tiny sun enclosed within a silver horseshoe. 
there were lots of other kinds of cakes, of course, and every possible sort of sugar biscuit and iced bun, and all the different kinds of sandwiches that it is possible to think of, and dishes of candied cherries and crystallized ginger and sugared almonds and chocolates, and there, and there were jellies and creams and syllabubs and ices, ices, and hot coffee and iced coffee and tea and lemonade and sherbet and mulled claret and champagne. Everybody had lots to eat and drink, and everyone enjoyed it. But nobody ate or drank too much because they did not want to spoil this happy day by having aches in their insides later on. <laughs> they wanted this day to be happy right through to the end. Excellent. <laughs> it's like, eat well, and, but chi- eat with... and children. Yeah. <laughs> and children, remember. Right, right. Yeah. Moderation. There was one other food. Yeah, yeah I know. It's like, I'm about to add a little. <laughs> A disclaimer, or like a little something at the end. Of the, <laughs> <laughs> just like, Enjoy. And, and I know I'm describing all these amazing foods, but yeah. There was another food called a parkin that stood out to me as I read, and I won't read the passage, but um, it was it was when she first learned, um, well, when she, she like rediscovered her childhood friend Robin, and then he like takes her to his home where his mom is, and. Anyway, so they're, like, eating a meal together, and he, like, stuffs his face with parkin, um, and I'm like, what's parkin? So, basically, parkin is, like, uh, kind of like a gingerbread cake. Oh, okay. Interesting. I didn't know that. But, yeah, called parkin. Um, like, I think it's described as, like, golden brown parkin. Nice. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, um, lots and lots of food. Indeed. In this... Um, and I thought it was, there's an, another quote from Elizabeth Goge, um, cause I don't know if, cause, so in the movie, something that stood out to me was the costumes, right? The dresses. Did you notice yeah. that? Like the outfits were very distinct, like, well, de- definitely, I mean, well, like one the of the big plot points even was, um, Maria's dresses that were left in her room each night. Yeah, yeah. These mysterious dresses, like kind of like um, hand-me-down dresses, but like, yeah, who who do right. they belong to, and who keeps sitting them out each evening? Um, so Elizabeth Goge has uh, another quote: "Humanity can be roughly divided into three sorts of people: those who find com, those who find comfort in literature." Those who find comfort in personal adornment, and those who find comfort in food. So I feel like no, the that's white horse... terrible. I I don't like that quote well, at all because I I find comfort in all three. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, and I'm sure there. Well, because you I can't feel divide. Like Maria... No, you can't divide people into that. I mean, it's it's people who <laughs> who like worldly pleasures and those that don't <laughs> like. Well, one of the, so that's a quote from the Little White Horse. So one of okay, the characters says it, but, but I but I don't know who, disagree. <laughs> who says it. Yeah, I I wonder if like Sir Benjamin might have said it, um, because he he's the one who finds comfort in food. But see, that's the thing, Maria. She also likes food, she likes food and but, clothes, but like she, she also she, loves yeah she, likes yeah, she also yeah. loves clothes. And like in the in the book, like it's yeah, it shows that she also loves books too because it says like 
she would love to right. go over to the bookshelf, but she can't right now because you know she's busy or whatever. But like, it well, I to personally that she loves love all three, reading. so I can yeah. <laughs> dispute this. Yeah, yeah. So like, so so Maria, also right? Me that. and Maria. But I, like, but I thought it was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I like, but also Elizabeth Gouge is is a person who loves all yeah. three because in the book, so like the, obviously the food is um, described. And list it, you know, like that's pretty obvious. But also the dresses and oh, okay, the, like, the fa- like the like fashion described, yeah, very like just as much as the I, food. I could like, tell that from the movie just because up. like that they just place an emphasis on that, you know, yeah, yeah, because even the costuming in the movie, yeah, like, the, co- the costuming is beautiful, and, and again, it's like a plot yeah. point, and it's unique, a plot point too. that she gets like dresses in her room laid out for her, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they kind of gave um, precedence to that. I kind of, I kind of feel like they didn't give enough um, precedence to the food aspect, though, which was a little bit unfortunate because food is just so huge. They gave it a good scene with the chef. Yeah, yeah. and like a, yeah, and a like so it was more about him as opposed to the food. That, though, true, yeah. true, yeah. Like his quirkiness or whatever, like his, like, what is he? Yeah. You know, like that kind of thing. But, but yeah. Um, so, so around the web, um, so there is a, what do you call it? A group, a monthly cooking group called Cook the Books. Um, so kind of like Food and Flicks or like what the Fandom Foodies is doing each month. So like a themed month. So there's a group called Cook the Books. Um, Cook the Books uh, Book Club or like Cooking Book Club. Anyway, so <laughs> each month um, they have a different uh, book that um, bloggers will create recipes inspired by. And back in 2009, they did A Little White Horse. And so we'll put a link uh, on the on the show notes page um but they for the roundup of all these different recipes that um, bloggers made inspired by the little white horse um so there's like pork chops with sage apple and onion there's um let's see strawberry sponge kisses moon princess biscuits uh, turkish delight syllabub uh ginger cake wow which is like the part which is like the park this all sounds amazing yeah and there's parking on here too fairy cakes uh, rhubarb crumb strawberry rhubarb crumble pink yogurt uh, anyway yeah so scones so like a lot a lot of things um, and then candied cherries yeah so there's so there's a lot of recipes there um, and then Brighton Taylor, who we've mentioned before, who does uh, food in literature, that's her blog, um, she made, she read The Little White Horse and then made a list on her site of the foods mentioned therein. Uh, and then uh, The Little Library Cafe, uh, Kate from The Little Library Cafe, she also uh, does like a food in books um what do you call that? Food and books for the Guardian. What's that word? Article. Yeah, column, article. Column. Like it's column. Yeah, so like it happens every yes. so often. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she. Did, sorry. Um, so she did uh, onion soup 
from the Little White Horse, because onion soup was mentioned in there, so she has a recipe for that. Uh, and then, yeah, and then and then we'll you know we'll put the links for um, the veal and ham pie that I made and the, the biscuits. Um, so the, so what are we gonna make? Like so you kind of mentioned the the kedgeri, yeah. right? So like I want to make kedgeri because I've made kitchery in the past, which is what it's based off of. Which like I mentioned mm-hmm. is like a um, a rice and lentil mixed together dish. Which, um, you know, is made with onion, ginger, garlic, spices. Um, so, like, that that's the, um, the, like, Southeast Asian, um, dish that the British dish that they eat for breakfast is inspired by, um, kedgeri. So, which is basically the same thing. It's like a rice and usually fish. And then it's very um, loose on what you can make with. So my my plant, like a lot of times, it has like peas in it and different spices. Um, mm-hmm. So like my plan is to do a rice fish, like assorted spices. I haven't decided yet, and I've got some like okra, <laughs> which I thought would be fun to throw in it, um, and maybe like I, I don't know, maybe some like um, you know cilantro or whatever over the top. Um, but yeah, just like a very simple, like mixed together rice dish, basically. Yes. Yeah, and the fish, fish is symbolic for the story. That's right. <laughs> or alludes to the story, because that was a big deal um, in the book about the fish. We want some fish. <laughs> so how about um, you? Nice. Well, I do like, I do want to do just like the really simple little um, shamrock cookies. Um, but yeah, I don't, like, like, I'm gonna do those, but it's like, should I do, like, another, because <laughs> that's kind of, kind of, like, simple, and the syllabus. No, it's simple, like, but it's al- also timely, alcohol, so and you like, also already not... <laughs> made a couple dishes for it, so, like, I think you should, yeah. I <laughs> but, like, there's so much, I should just make, like, a plate of sausages. Or yeah, like, sausages! Three exclamation points. Yeah, just go for it. Sassy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, there there just there's a lot of like parkin like well I mean I've already done like gingerbread cake though, but it's like this sounds kinda Yeah, I didn't know what that oh, was. That was so kind of interesting. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it's like I wanna just go like I was going back through the recipes and it's like I'm sure <laughs> There's some other, like, because maybe, like, the fairy cakes. Because they are, spe- that's something specific. Like, when I think of fairy cakes, I mean, in my mind, it's like, oh, just, like, la la, well, whatever. But they're I mean, actually fairy cake is a cupcake. real. Well, I, I think, like, there's, in Europe, there's, like, a specific. I mean, they're like cupcakes, but they're, like, a little bit, like, like, yeah, yeah, they're they're like cupcakes, but flatter, yeah. you know, <laughs> not as like. Um, yeah. Anyway, there's like a history to fairy cakes. Right. Oh yeah, and like they <laughs> leave them out on the stoop so the fairies won't like cause havoc and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, basic, basically, basically, right, yeah, it's like a cupcake. <laughs> Like, I was wondering it's basically if it was, like, a, cupcake, a certain recipe. But, yeah, there recipe. is some lore to it. But, yeah, yeah. There is some lore to it, yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, so that's cool. But, yeah, I, I do want to just do... Because I like painting 
food. I know. <laughs> like, I and you paint it I so beautifully. It. Like, oh, you totally have to make that. You've talked about it, so now you have to do it. I know. It's timely. It's timely. Like, I need more sweets. I need to pick something savory. See, yep. That's I why so I picked Petri, because I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm making, like, simple, like, healthy food for home. I'm not picking any sweets to make. <laughs> so. Yeah. There was um, sausage rolls. So, there was oh. a scene that I can't remember, where um, Marmaduke makes a picnic, uh-huh. like, satchel, satchels full of food for Robin and, um, and Maria as they go off into the the woods um but yeah it was like sausage rolls and some other some other stuff but like yeah I know I I, I missed uh I somehow I passed over it but like <laughs> that sounds kind of good does. Sausage I rolls. made sausage rolls for it's sausage. Orphan Black episode <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Al- Allison's yeah, sausage rolls uh, now I'm like curious of where that tab even went. What? Good dinner: roast beef, gravy, Yorkshire pudding, roast potatoes. Yeah, green beans, horseradish sauce, apple tart, sugar, cream cheese, plum cake, and beer. And uh, like plum cake, you made the. The plum, plum yeah, cake the Queen Amelie. of Mon for Amelie. And the Yorkshire pudding yeah. for, uh... <laughs> and Yorkshire pudding. For, uh, what, what's his face? Uh, uh, Jonathan for North and Mr. Norrell. Strange. Jonathan yeah, Strange Jonathan and Mr. Norrell. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, okay, here it is, here it is. Marmaduke Scarlet had surpassed himself. Surpassed himself. It was amazing what he had gotten to a small space. Ham sandwiches, jam sandwiches, sausage rolls, apple turnovers, gingerbread, saffron cake. Saffron cake. Maybe Ooh, I can look into yeah, that. Saffron Sugar cake. biscuits, radishes, a small crystal bottle of milk, two little horn cups, and two horn saucers. Yeah. The children's eyes sparkled, and the animals licked their lips. And they all set to with a will. Beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, but saffron cake has saffron been mentioned a couple of, a few times oh, in the book. Oh, please make and that. And I do have saffron. That would be pretty. Mm-hmm. Like, very sun. Oh, yes. Sunny. Very sunny. I suppose to moony. <laughs> moony. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So my idea, um, like, I wanted to make, like, the lunar souffle. <laughs> Yeah. Which they mentioned, but I was like, what can you do to make it, like, especially lunar? You know? Because it's already, like, pretty puffy and white. You know? I'm like, if you put some um, like sugared flowers mm, on it, like yeah, because they mention well, that often. But like blues and whites. That's maybe. true. Yeah, make it kind of. But I was thinking to make it savory. I was thinking almost to put like some parmesan on top and make oh. it kind of like white and flowery or yeah, like yeah. powdery. I don't know. Yeah, but like I don't make it cheese because the moon, the is, moon made is made, made on cheese. Yeah, it's extra cheese <laughs> in the souffle. I don't know. <laughs> the moon cheese souffle. Oh, like there's a regular souffle. We're just calling it lunar souffle. Yeah. So like, yeah, I like wanted to make that, but I couldn't think of like I'm so brainstorming. Because <laughs> usually I put some kind yeah. of herb that's like you know <laughs> representative of this or that. Yeah, yeah that, that might I'm work. Sure there's yeah. an herb. A, a lunar herb. A lunar herb. 
I mean, a, a lunar or a moon um, symbol, yeah, you know, like exactly, or associated yeah, like correspondence with or whatever. Yeah, yeah, getting that witchy kitchen. I know, <laughs> I know. I was like, let me check my, the let witchy. me check my, my herb dictionary. Your companions, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. I think we did it. I think that. Yeah. All right. So we'll put um, recipes um, once we actually do them, and um, as well as links to anything we talked about at our website, fictionkitchenpodcast.com. Yeah, and you can find us on Twitter at fkpod and Instagram at fictionkitchenpodcast. And next time we'll be talking about Beatrix Potter, who wrote Peter Rabbit. So we'll be talking about her various animal stories. Yay! I'm excited for that one. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of food in those Indeed. <laughs> so... Thanks for... Uh, sorry. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah, we'll catch you next time. Bye! Bye.